the Made to Lead podcast, a show where we tell the personal and professional stories of amazing people of African descent who are leading in their own way. I'm your host, Aziz Garuba, and on each episode, I interview a dynamic individual and discuss their achievements, challenges, dreams, and aspirations, and the lessons they've learned along the way. These candid conversations are meant to showcase their superb talents and leadership philosophies with the hope that inspires you because you were also made to lead. If you're listening for the first time, I encourage you to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Made to Lead Show. Also visit our website, madetolead.co, for more information about each episode. Right. Welcome to another episode of Made to Lead. Uh, I'm your host, as usual, Aziz Garuba. And today I'm pleased to have as a guest, Sam Effa. So Sam's a great individual. He is a three-time uh, world champion representative for Canada. He's represented the country at three World University Games and recently at the 2018 Commonwealth Games as well. Um, so he's also a two-time Canadian champion in the 100 meters. Um, and he's, of course, an, uh, a, a very enthusiastic sports fan um, and enthusiastic about, about marketing and the Olympic uh, movement as a whole. Uh, Sam was also a cast on The Amazing Race Canada Season 7, uh, where he inspired audiences about his stories of injury resilience and also that hunger to be uh, Canada's fastest once again. Um, and you know, on the corporate side, Sam has a passion for marketing. Uh, he loves speaking. He, he does a lot of, of, of speaking engagements. Uh, and he's also driven when it comes to sponsorship and the community in terms of development projects uh, as well. So Sam, welcome to the show. We're very glad to, to have you here. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Aziz. Appreciate Great. it. <laughs> so, so let's start about uh, uh, you know start with your your upbringing. You know where where did you grow up? Uh, how did you end up in sports and to become uh, an an Olympian for for Canada? So it's it's a it's an interesting story. So I was born and raised in Calgary, Alberta. Um, I have three older brothers and a younger sister, so it's a busy household. Um, and as a as an athlete, I mean, my mom was chasing me around while I was in diapers. Uh, so it was pretty wild, but uh, I come from a Guinean Canadian background. I'm super proud of it. I have a lot of family, you know, back home. Excellent. And uh, in terms of, I guess, leadership and and those abilities, they came from they came from sport as well. I didn't play a lot of sports growing up. A lot of people think, yeah, you're you know, you're 10 years old. You're playing soccer on the pitch. I I really started uh, sport late in high school I played a little bit of football I say played very loosely <laughs> my <laughs> my team was zero zero wins 10 losses um, but when it comes to that leadership piece I say I I recognize that I had a bit of that leadership in me um, when our team was always losing I was that guy who was always motivating I was like look guys I know we're <laughs> I know we still haven't won a game but we have to keep it moving um, that then evolved into uh first year university so I decided you know forget the football I was also 140 pounds soaking wet so I decided I want to do a sport where not only am I not getting hit but I can kind of control my own destiny and that for me was track and field you know you're own you're in your own lane um everything that you do in the weight room whether it's like lifting weights or uh you know whatever and everything that you're doing on the track 
it's all translated into performance and people would see that and they would be like okay this guy is serious i would be at training uh you know 45 minutes early and i would be the last guy out of the out of the weight room like a good hour hour and a half after so when people saw that and then they saw the performance i believe that was when people said okay this guy has something um and then i kind of grew into other aspects of of leadership in terms of corporate and and, and just kind of that community development piece right oh that's amazing and and you know, growing up in, in, in an African household in Calgary, right? Mm. <laughs> Did that influence, you know, any part of your, your sporting life uh, in any way? Was it like one of those where it's like, yeah, you know, in every African household, there was always a soccer fan uh, and a favorite team. And, you know, it's like, th- that's what you see. Was there any influence, um, you know, from a household perspective to, to getting into sport? I would definitely say there was an influence in terms of getting into sport. Realistically, I mean, for, for the Africans out there listening, I mean, we, we all go through this. It's, it's education is first. Yes. So yes. <laughs> funny thing is, I, I, it was not something that was pushed for me to, to run in a straight line. It was focused, mm-hmm. you know, go to university, get that degree. But that's what made me work harder. Nice. Um, yeah. Nice. And, and so you studied a business degree. Uh, in uh, at the University of Calgary, uh, what was the 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 reason behind that choice? Um, you know, I I knew that I was always passionate about like just business in general, but I really just jumped into it not knowing what to expect. I luckily fell into marketing, which is my my passion, and I guess that really happened. I had a I had a professor. His name's Mark Boyvin at the University of Calgary, and I went to him looking for sponsorship. I said, you're a marketing professor. Uh, teach me about how I can market myself for sponsorship. And it's funny because that, that conversation evolved into me really just enjoying sponsorship marketing and, and learning about the behind the scenes, learning about different brands, learning about things like uh, a big thing for me is like brand equity. I remember he taught me and told me about brand equity. And basically what that means is, is basically the, um, the reputation a brand has. So for instance, like, Nike. You think of Nike, you put a Nike sign on, on anything really. And all of a sudden it's because it's Nike, everybody uh, respects it or they think of it positively. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm looking for sponsorships and I, and I want to become, eventually I thought to myself, I want to be, become a marketer. How can I be aligned with those kind of brands? And that's where that kind of, that grew for me. Instead of getting an agent, I was like, let me do this all myself. Mm. And uh, I just had this love for marketing and ever since, I, I really haven't went back, and I, I continue to just, like, read up about it. I, I ended up finishing that undergrad there, and uh, I, I actually did get sponsored by Nike in the end. So, Well, um, look at that. <laughs> yeah, it was a Paid great, off. great experience. Four years, four yeah. good years. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So, 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 you know, you, you raise a good point um, in terms about, you know, sourcing out your own sponsorship. Uh, I guess you could say you were literally, like, an independent right off the bat. Um, uh, in, in terms of the sponsorship side, how did you, how did you also, um, balance, uh, sport and school at the same time, uh, and in order to be able to succeed at both? Cause like a, a business degree is not, uh, is not light, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and you also have your, your, your track, your, your sports side that you also have to keep up with, which again is not light. How did you, how did you manage the two? Mm-hmm. In the beginnings, it was really hard. I'm not going to, I'm not going to pretend that it wasn't. Um, but a big thing was just like, you know, you got to kind of compartmentalize when I am at training, 
like the whatever three to four hours I am at training and I'm focusing purely on the track. When I am finished my training and I have my classes and I have my time to study, that is, uh, you know, specifically made for that time. You don't, procrastination was there, but you, you can't afford to procrastinate. Um, but there were times where I really did struggle. I remember I was at the Commonwealth Games in India. I had the 100 meter final. It was like the next day. And I remember I had an assignment due. So I was like before a major race doing an undergrad assignment and uh, I didn't do too well, but ultimately I learned from those experiences and it's just like, yeah, you got to compartmentalize. You got to really slot your time and you got to be, you got to be efficient. That was a, that was a tough lesson. But I think by going through that, I, it's made me who I am now outside of uh, school and just pursuing my, my track dreams. Brilliant. Uh, so, so let's talk about track for a minute. Um, mm-hmm. when, when did you first decide on becoming a track athlete versus any other, uh, any other sport in, in undergrad? Um, so for me, it happened. I mean, this is one of those things. It's, it took a really big um, event ha- to happen in order for me to reach uh, to figure out what I wanted to do within, you know, sport and, and take it serious. So I, in my second year, I believe, I broke the Canadian University record. I still have that record. But that summer, I went to the World Championships. I raced Usain Bolt. And here I am, like, this athlete. I was on this, like, mac and cheese diet. I wasn't serious. But here I am racing some of the top athletes in the world. I got dusted. Like, I lost miserably. But thinking to myself, if I had, you know, focused on, you know, other aspects of my of my training, like my nutrition. Don't get me wrong. I was always training hard, but I didn't take other aspects that serious yet. So it was that, that experience at the world championships. And then that led to, to more and more national teams. And just the fact that you get to travel. Mm. I was mm. born and raised in Calgary. Like the hospital that I was born in was, is like 20 minutes from the track that I trained at, which is 20 minutes from where I lived. And I was just in this, this circle of never getting to see, I was very sheltered. Wow. So the other aspect of just traveling to different continents traveling to different countries, into China, India, and all these different places. And, and I think that, um, that first world championships, but then as a result, just recognizing that I get to see the world, I get to experience the world, and that's going to change me and my perspective. Did you um, get into the sport late in your career, you know, compared to, to other, to your peers or your, your, your competitors? Yeah, I definitely say I got into the sport um, late into the career, into my career. I <laughs> would be on the line in like grade 12 slash first year university when I was first starting out. And I would see other athletes who had purchased these like spandex uniforms. I was just a kid that was coming from from home, uh, going to school for sports day. And I'd have like baggy shorts when I got ready to run. These kids were ready. They had the the, the perfect shoes. They had all the all the, you know modalities everything that you need to be successful so i was definitely a late bloomer but i'm i'm actually so glad that i i got into the sport late because i can now enjoy it like i'm I'm in my early 30s now and i'm still running wow that's amazing and and do you you know when we watch the olympics a lot of the times particularly the 100 meters 200 meters you know it's all it's it's a bunch of black folks right we Mm -hmm. seem to dominate track at at uh, for for sprints when you were growing up and getting into into uh, into track and and you know becoming an athlete, 
was that what you were seeing around you, right? Like a whole bunch of other black folks that you were training with, or were you, you know, one of the only or one of the few doing that? Yeah, it was, it was different in Alberta. I mean, we're, we're definitely, there's some diversity, but it was not to that level. Um, and just looking specifically at Calgary, um, there would usually be two or three uh, black athletes on the line, but definitely not the same as, as on a world championship level or Commonwealth Games level or Olympic level. You were always, it was always quite mixed. And, and did that, you know, was, was, was there any uh, additional motivation factor as a result of that? Like, oh yeah, you know, I want to be that next black kid out of Calgary to, to make it big and track or to, to see the world and do what I love um, at the mm -hmm. same time. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily uh, put it on like race being the first black athlete out there. It was honestly for me just seeing my full potential when I, I wanted to see my full potential. I wanted to see how fast I could go. I am an athlete who has dealt with a lot of um, just like hardships in terms of injuries and, and, and tragedies and situations um, that have kind of held me back. So the biggest thing for me was not necessarily who was on the line, but like internally, you know, how far, how far can I really go? Where can I really get close to that Canadian record? And I mean, if I can, like, and if I could beat that Canadian record, how, how much further can I go? Right. All right. So let, let's talk about this sponsorship thing that you, you were able to, to, to get for yourself. So, so you got sponsored mm -hmm. by Nike at 21, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, kind of, kind of walk us through, you know, the whole process to, to get to that. How did you, how did you do it? Where, you, where, you know, did you get help? Was it a solo exercise? How, how did that come about? Yeah, there was definitely help on the way. Like I, I'm no stranger to help. I ask uh, people for, for favors all the time. I, I love networking. I love meeting people, but essentially I ended up talking to, I think it was like the Nike rep at the time. And uh, I had a big meet that was coming up. It was the North American, Central American and Caribbean championships, the under 23. So basically, you know, North America and the Caribbean. And for traditionally that's, that's kind of where the sprints have, have, have exploded. You know, Jamaica is always on point. So yeah. these were the next big athletes. I had reached out to the Nike rep and I said, look, the Nike rep is the guy who kind of hands out the contracts or at least is a kind of like looks at the talent that's out there. And I told him, I said, I just want you to watch this race. And looking, looking back at it, like I had no, I had no reason to say that I could uh, go and win this race, but I just, I had this confidence within me. Anyway, we got to the race. It was in uh, Miramar, Florida and uh, was in the blocks, was definitely not a, a factor in the, in the prelim. So the, the round before, but we're in the final. And essentially I got out like in terms of uh, out of the blocks, I sprinted and I ended up winning the race. And these were the next kind of, these are the next big athletes. So for, for that rep to see that I can kind of like set a goal and then actually achieve that goal. And I think it had a lot to do with just what I was doing in the community as well. Like I, I feel like I had a pretty clean slate and I love to, to motivate people and be in the community. It just, it just worked out and they, they took a chance on me. So it was a really cool experience, not doing it through an agent, but kind of just reaching out and uh, basically just gambling on wow. the situation. Yeah. That's amazing. How did you even get his contact details? You know, it's, it's it, <laughs> that on its own, I think was just probably uh, ingenious in, in just terms of being resourceful as an individual to, to connect with him. It was really, it was really risky to, to kind of propose that, but I got it from um, 
it was like the the head of our athletics Canada. Okay. That's like our our governing body. They they had went to school together, from what I had understood. And I went to this big event. It was called the Pen Relays. Still goes on. It's in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia. Um, and uh, I had met him there, so I ended up getting his contact there. We met up, and I was like, "Look, I kind of I had the proposition. I'm like, I'm gonna do this. All I want you to do is watch this one race." And uh, he followed up on it. It was it was really amazing. Nice, nice, very good. Um, so you finish undergrad. Uh, you know, you've got a degree in marketing. You've been doing some races. Um, talk about how you ended up uh, joining RBC for both a career as well as being sponsored by RBC as an Olympian. So that was interesting. So I, I believe me, I did not expect uh, for this, this path to happen. So I was in Calgary. I decided to move over to Toronto because I was like, you know what? I want to go to the big city. I want to see what's, what the big fuss is. We don't have a, an NBA team. So many different factors. I was like, I want to go out there. I was also recruited. Um, we, have the, we had the Pan Am Games, Pan American Games in 2015. So there was a lot of infrastructure being built, like a lot of new facilities, a lot of new tracks and stuff like that. And they were like, if you're going to be, you know, a top sprinter, you got to be, they call it a, a hub. So you got to be in the athletics hub. So I moved over to Toronto and it was like, my goodness, it was like the first month of training. I had already had some issues with injuries. My hips had always been kind of uh, finicky. Um, but it was like, yeah, the first month of training, I started really feeling something in in both of my hips. And I didn't think anything of it. You got all the, you got all the physio, chiro, all those things that you'll need um, at your disposal. And it got to a point where my hips were so painful. Like it hurt to sit, it hurt to stand, it hurt to walk. I decided um, to get an MRI done. They got it done like that. It was like maybe a day later. The doctor came back. He said to me, Sam, you know, this is really serious. You have labral tears in both of your hips i'm a business guy like i i don't i didn't <laughs> i don't know a ton about anatomy so in my head i'm like okay that's all good physiotherapy you know crack my back Cairo, whatever it's gonna take and i want to be back on the track he said no like you need to sit down this is serious this is uh the type of injury that can take you out of the sport you may you know you'll be able to run again but you may never be at the same you know the same pace or the same speed that you've been at so that was a massive slap in the face. Wow. I remember that day. I got my MRI done in Hamilton, went back home. And then it was like a month later, I got surgery on my hip. And being an athlete and, and only identifying with running fast and being on the podium and getting medals and, and having a Nike sponsorship, it was devastating to have that all taken away from me. So I, I, I had this moment, I remember after getting the surgery in my bed, not being able to get up. I had a hip brace on thinking, okay, if I'm not an athlete, what am I? And I, I, I grabbed my laptop. I remember I jumped on Google and I looked up sponsorship programs, uh, jobs, and uh, eventually this RBC Olympians program came up. And essentially in the in the tagline, it was like, we're looking for athletes who want to inspire the next generation, want to get a little bit of in-office experience. And in my mind right there, I was like, I may not be able to run again, so I need to find something to do. Hmm. And essentially that evolved into working in brand marketing, working with sponsors and, and sponsorship. They are still to this day my, my sponsor. And then that made me realize that my biggest passion is actually, I still love track and field, but community development 
um, is a big thing to me as well. And that was just through um, working with some of their their clients, working with some of um, the communities that they all are that they're already in. And uh, from then, I just kind of took it and ran with it. No pun intended. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but uh, the cool thing is. So I, I stayed in the office. I was working in the office downtown Toronto. And uh, as I continued to work year after year, I kept training and I started getting fast again. So I, I, I got to this point where I was, you know, making national teams, but I'm also working in the office and it didn't add up. So then I needed to, to figure out, okay, what's, what's going to be the next move? Hmm. And uh, that's basically where I am today. So I qualified for the Commonwealth Games and now I'm training for the 2021 Olympics in Tokyo, but at the same time, it's like I feel like I have a, a, a huge opportunity um, to work with, I mean, RBC, the biggest bank in Canada. That's amazing. That's really amazing. Like you've gone from, you know, getting into a sport late, finding your way into sponsorship with one of the biggest sports, sports brands there is in, in, in the form of Nike doing what you love, getting injured, recovering, and get recovering while you then get a new job um, who uh, with a company that also then sponsors you. You're doing what you studied in undergrad um, as well as what you've trained for on the track all yeah. at the same time, and which, which is phenomenal. You know, and, and you mentioned about using that as an opportunity to get more involved within the community. Um, you know, as we introduced you at the beginning, right, you're also a speaker, um, did this give you opportunities to to build that keynote speaking uh, career path over the past decade? Uh, and how did that that come about? Like, when did you realize that? Oh, you know, I can actually talk about my story, um, and I can see the impact in in the community. Um, you know, it, it happened very organically. Like, it, it started off with just going to the office. I remember taking the the train for those who are in Toronto, the TTC, and. Uh, you know, I would I would go into the train and I was never used to seeing people just like everybody's got their heads down and nobody wants to talk to anybody. Everybody looked miserable. And I'm like, man, like this is not this is not right. Like I, I was happy with myself because I had the opportunity to live my dream, but I would look around and it just it didn't seem like people were happy. And these conversations uh, the, or sorry, the conversation that ended up happening in the office is. I would get into the office and I would talk to people about those moments, you know, taking the train. I was like, is anybody, anybody like happy here? Like I'd have a one-on-one conversation, but you would, you would have these conversations with people who are working in a job, you know, to pay for the, for a house that they can't afford, uh, to, to pay for a car that they can't afford. And it just, it just didn't make sense in, in doing something that they didn't necessarily love. Like I had a couple of these conversations, like real conversations. And this evolved into me then, you know, taking on speaking opportunities where it's like, okay, I can talk to mortgage brokers or whoever it is that isn't necessarily enjoying their job in the moment and talking to them about how I can find my passion and how, you know, being able to be an athlete is not a, it's not, it's not luxurious by any means. We're not making tons and tons of money as amateur athletes, but I could honestly say that during those times I was happy. And that just evolved into um, creating more and more talks um, impacting more and more people, but also challenging people. I feel like nowadays we see we see dollar signs, uh, we see career opportunities, and we forget why we're doing what we're doing. 
I'll go into audiences and I'll, I'll honestly challenge people. I'll say, you know, when you started this job, you know, do you still have that same drive? Are you still running after that same goal? And I'll be blunt. And there's a lot of people who say no. And I'm not talking about in the bank. I'm talking just in general. We have this culture of kind of like keeping up with the Joneses. We're all trying to, to get the, the next big house and the next big car. But I challenge people, I'm like, why are you doing what you're doing? Right. Don't change the subject. So anyway, that's that's where the, the speaking piece came. But then I was also able to throw in um, some of the stuff I do uh, in marketing. I talk about my sponsorship. This year I got sponsored by an amazing company in Calgary, uh, Shag and Appy GM. They are a local um, uh, dealership and Calgary Harley-Davidson. So people sometimes are like, how did that happen? And I love to kind of give them insight on how, you know, as an athlete, how that happened and uh, just a wider range of topics and the list kind of goes on there. Nice, nice. No, that's awesome. That's really awesome. So, so let, let's pivot a bit and, and talk about mm-hmm. some defining moments. You know, when you think back on on the moments that have defined your your leadership path and your or your career, what are some of the things that come to mind? Um, I would definitely say, uh, in terms of that that community development piece, I mentioned that 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 was a big thing. I would say when I won this, I won this award. It's called the Athletes in Excellence Award, and it was awarded to me by the what was it? The Global Sports Development. Um, the global sports development um, organization. Anyway, they're out of LA and it was $10,000 US and I was not expecting it, but people had been watching the things that I had done. Somebody had uh, nominated me, put my name in and I ended up winning this and it was awesome. I was like, wow, for somebody, you know, outside of my circle to actually go out of their way to nominate me for uh, an international award was so key. Um, but in terms of, I would say that leadership, the one moment outside of that award that really defined it for me. So I do some mentorship with this organization. It's called classroom champions. And, uh, I guess I'll give you a little backstory on it. So essentially it's, uh, it gets Olympians, Paralympians, high performing athletes, NFL players in the classroom. It runs for 10 months of the year, like the school year, essentially every month of the year, uh, we'll do a, a lesson on something like goal setting, steps to success, um, perseverance, courage, diversity. And uh, I've been teaching these lessons. The cool thing about this this program as well is it's uh, it's all virtual. So you don't even need to be in the classroom. Nice. Um, so I was going to training. And uh, essentially on my way to training, I decided to take a, take a detour. I realized one of my classes was right by the track, right up by York University. This is the, the uh, National Training Center. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to surprise one of my, one of my classes. I call the teacher. I'm like, I'm coming in. It's like 8.55 a.m., whatever it is, uh, when, when school starts, five minutes before the bell. So I jump into the class. Kids haven't arrived yet. I'm hiding behind the door of this classroom. You know, 9 a.m. hits. The bell rings. I close the door. All the kids have finally kind of taken their seats. I'm thinking they're just going to come up and, and give me a hug, and then, you know, I'll be on my way to training. But I got to tell you, they came at me at full force. Wow. Like they came in, they hugged me. Um, and there's, there's this one little kid specifically, this little kid, uh, Collins. He says, Sam, because of you, I believe I can be a sprinter. Little black kid wow. from Kenya. And I looked down at him and he's like, Sam, because of you, I believe I can go to university. 
And then he kind of like looks up at me. I look down at him and he says, because you look like me, because you talk like me, I believe I can be successful. That's amazing. So it's like, it was weird. Like I always thought I would be a leader by being on the podium or, or getting medals or just running in a straight line and being that Canadian record holder, whatever it is. But I recognized from a moment like that, I was like, man, this is, this transcends sport. This right. is bigger than sport. I, again, I love sport, but I was like, I have never had a moment like that um, before. And it was so intense. Like I'm not a, a super emotional guy, but I was like, that's a moment that I could have cried. Yeah. And I then thought to myself, okay, this is now when I'm going to, this is now my time to use that platform for good. You know, I'm going to keep running, but I know that now that, now when the 2021 Olympics comes, like I have a whole new motivation. When I'm on that line, I'm doing it for kids like that. I'm doing it for kids um, around the city. I'm doing it for people in the bank. I'm doing it for people around Toronto. I'm doing it for anybody who's following me. That is phenomenal. And what, what's, what strikes me about that story is that, you know, when, when what we define as leadership on, on this show is not about the titles, not necessarily about the achievements, uh, but being able to impact and influence people's lives. And, and, you know, for that little kid, that is a leadership moment. You know, he, his life is probably going to change uh, forever just by that interaction with you. And, and, and that's impressive. That's the kind of stuff that we love. We love to champion here. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll pivot again and, and, and let's talk about the amazing race Canada. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, you, you ended up on this show, you, uh, you know, for those that don't know what the Amazing Race uh, Canada is or what the Amazing Race in general is, um, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a great show where uh, uh, teams of individuals compete uh, to do a, a lot of um, in, incredible tasks around the world or around countries um, with the goal of eventually winning a, a, a prize uh, if you're the final team uh, left. So, so Sam and another colleague... Um, ended up on, on The Amazing Race Canada for season seven um, and made it through uh, to a certain point. And, 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 you know, you'll share with us what that point was. But talk about how, how that came about. How did you get on it? And what was that experience like for you? Yeah, that was... <laughs> I, I, I look back and I'm like, I can't even believe that happened. But uh, <laughs> so it, it, it all came to happen. Um, I was at... Uh, it was a big event. It was, uh, believe it or not, it happened to do with RBC again. Okay. Um, and this is not a <laughs> paid pro- promo. Right. <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> one of my mentors, his name is Matt McGlynn, he's VP of marketing at RBC. He was doing this presentation um, at the, uh, the Toronto Metro Center, big center, tons and tons of people talking about this thing called a brand promise. Hmm. And he's talking about RBC. We have this this new brand promise. And basically a brand promise is like, it's a, it's a value or an experience that a, that a company's customers can expect to receive every single time they interact with that company. So he's talking about RBC. When you think of RBC, what do you think of? You know, people throw up their hands and they're like, um, I don't know, quality service, et cetera, et cetera. So I sat there that day um, and I, I really took it in and I said to myself, as an athlete, I need to have my own brand promise. <laughs> Yeah. So <laughs> I did this, and this is actually one of my, my speaking topics, you know, uh, finding your authentic self. Right. So um, I found out that my brand promise was three things, community, development, sponsorship, and on the outside is kind of like resilience and sport. 
Um, but anyway, I go home. I'm scrolling on, I believe it was Facebook. Anyway, I saw the ad for The Amazing Race Canada. And uh, essentially, they were looking for people who were resilient, people who uh, are active in their community. Essentially, it was hitting every single one of those words. I am not the type of guy to apply for a show like that. But something in me was like, wouldn't that be cool if as a marketer, I can say that I got onto this competition show, you know, based on something that I learned, um, not only from my mentor, but like just through pure marketing and, and just having, using that mindset. So I looked at the uh, application deadline and it was like, I think it was like I had a day, <laughs> I had a day oh, to wow. put in an application. So I'm like, okay. So being a marketer, you also want to be consistent. That's so why I said, who else is consistent with those, that brand promise, that community development, sponsorship? I contacted this, my partner, uh, my teammate in the show. Her name is uh, Sarah Wells. She's a 400-meter hurdler. She had made the Olympics and, and, and went through a ton of adversity, but she's also in the community. She is also all about development, and we work together as RBC Olympians in the office. So I said, Sarah, can you get to my place? Um, we probably only have about a day to put this together. And she even told me, she's like, I actually got to get on a, I believe it was a flight or she had something to do. So we had a, a window of, it, it was ridiculous, like 30 minutes to put together a video. We did two takes. First take, I think I, I, I sneezed or something, so we didn't use it. But ultimately, we used the second take, we sent it in, and it was one of those moments I said, you know, if this is meant to happen, like we will get through and we will be cast onto the show. And uh, lo and behold, we, we ended up getting onto this, this competition show. And the funniest part about this all is the second I was accepted into this competition show, I, I, I sat down with, uh, I guess, my fiance now, my fiance, yeah. Sophia. Nice. And uh, <laughs> we watched the last season, the very first episode. And I saw them jump off a mountain. First challenge, I'm terrified of heights. <laughs> and I was like, what did I get myself into? But I was like, you know what? I'm going to use this platform, whatever. But that's, that's basically how it all happened. And then we ended up placing second, which was absolutely, it was the wildest experience ever. That's absolutely. That's phenomenal. Yeah. No, man. And, and that, you know, a, a, a lot of lessons from that, right? Just one, taking the risk, right? Yeah. Uh, taking the risk to sign up to begin with, and then just taking the risk to do it. And, and you, you never know how far you'll, you'll go. Right. Uh, runner up in the Amazing Race Canada is not an easy f uh, uh, feat to achieve, but still an achievement uh, uh, in its own. So, yeah. So congratulations on that. And, and speaking of achievements, I'm just going to read out a few of Sam's uh, impressive uh, athletic highlights. Uh, so he, he's a gold winner at the North American, Central American and Caribbean under 23 champion and a record holder. He's got personal bests in both 100 meters, 260. Uh, he's a two-time Canadian 100-meter national champion. He was named the fastest man in Canadian university history and fastest man in Alberta history with all sprint records, which I think still hold right now. Um, and he's represented Canada, as I mentioned at the beginning, at, at three world championships, three world university games, and two Commonwealth games. And, and he's, he's training to go to Tokyo uh, for next year. So some amazing things that, that you've accomplished while also giving back uh, to the community as well. Um, so, so let's talk about a few, uh, um, you know, a few reflections or lessons. You know, yeah. if, if you were to uh, give your, your life uh, a book title, right, what would that, what would that look like? Or what would, what, would you, what would the title of that book be? 
Um, you know, I there's a quote that comes to my mind. Is it cool if I use a, a quote? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is uh, Kwame Nkrumah, you know, yep. famous Guinean. Yeah. Um, action without thought is empty. Thought without action is blind. And I say that because I think it's important to not only, you know, set goals, but to follow up on those goals. Action is so incredibly important. It's good to put it out there, but also you got to make sure that if you are um, trying to achieve something, like you keep yourself accountable, whether that's connecting with an individual who can keep you accountable. Um, Yeah, I would definitely say that's my, that's my philosophy. Everything that I do. Brilliant. Action, action. Brilliant. Um, Does anything scare you? Yeah, um, I would definitely say not reaching my full potential. And that's, that's on the track for sure. The, that, that hip surgery scared me. And I thought I, I wasn't sure if I'd be able to get back on the track. I mean, I, t- I told myself each and every day, but I'll, I'll ultimately know next year in Tokyo if I end up doing it. And I will end up doing it. You got to speak it into existence. So, of course. Yeah. Of course. And, and so what, what's next for you now? Um, so next for me, um, outside of the Olympics, I decided to, to jump in and do my master's. So I'm doing a master's program at Queens. So that's, that's huge. Um, again, that community development piece is huge for me. So I want to be able to create a program, um, locally within, within Toronto, within Canada first, that, that just helps youth on the level of, you know, physical fitness, but also that mentorship piece, being able to share stories, getting, getting kids, uh, in situations where they can be motivated. I think it's a big thing to have people who look like you, people who talk like you, uh, just in your presence. Mentorship is so key. So creating that, and then I would love to, um, maybe like 10 years down the line, have that same model and, and do that out in, in Ghana. I got to get back to the motherland where my family is, nice. is from as well. So those, those two things for sure. The Masters at Queens will definitely help with that. Brilliant. Brilliant. Wow. This has been quite uh, substantial, uh, Sam. Uh, Very much appreciate all of your insights. Uh, But before we let you go, uh, we're just going to go into our uh, rapid fire uh, segment. Uh, So I'm just going to ask you um, a few questions and you're going to give me, you know, some of the your your best answers very quickly. Um, So what is a book that you're currently reading? I, I just picked up Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Nice. Need to, need to write. Need to read it. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. And what would you say is uh, is your favorite productivity hack or tool? Oof. Productivity hack or tool? Uh, I'm I'm all over Google Docs. I find uh, <laughs> being able to access your materials anywhere and just plop that open. It's it's been key for me. I have all my my stuff saved up on that. So. Brilliant. Yeah. And, and what would you say is your favorite place to escape to? Favorite place to escape to? I mean, pre-COVID, that would be somewhere in the Caribbean. I love St. Kitts and Nevis. Nice. I, went, I went there a couple years back. Very nice. And who would you say is your biggest cheerleader or supporter? Uh, my biggest cheerleader and supporter. It's a tie between my, my fiance and my mom. Nice. They are two people that want to see me succeed. Awesome. And if money or resources were not an issue, what would you do? I would be doing exactly what I'm doing right now. And I would start this program that I spoke on in Toronto and then in Ghana as well. 
Excellent. Excellent. Well, Sam, thank you very much for joining us. You are definitely uh, uh, an individual that's made to lead. And folks, if you want to know more about Sam, just visit his website, sameffa.com. That's S-A-M-E-F-F-A-H.com. Um, and uh, he's available to, to, to be booked for speaking engagements. Um, and we look forward to seeing you, Sam, uh, representing Canada at Tokyo 2021. Uh, so appreciate you joining us this evening. Thanks so much for having me, Aziz. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Made to Lead. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and please share with others. Also take a moment to leave a review as well. This helps us improve and also get discovered by others. You can also support by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Made to Lead Show, and by visiting our website, madetolead.co. If you would like to be featured or know an amazing person of African descent whose story would be inspirational to others, I'd love to hear from you. Visit our website, madetolead.co slash getfeatured, and send us a note. As you continue on your own leadership journey, remember that if you don't spread your wings, you'll never know how high or how far you can fly. So stretch your feathers, because you were made to lead. <laughs> <laughs>